Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Are you the kind of person that's willing to give up comforts for God's stuff, kingdom stuff? God, this is cushion comfort, comfortable over here, but I know you're calling me over there and I'll let that go to do this thing right here because that's, that's what God's looking for. God's looking for people that will say, I, I, I take kingdom over comfort. And I would just say this, be careful of doing what is most comfortable when we serve a God who often calls us to do difficult things, but they're impactful things. Are you hesitant to step out of your comfort zone? Maybe you're afraid of failure or rejection, or maybe you're content and you simply aren't interested in switching it up. There certainly isn't going to be room for growth when you remain in the same bubble of comfort all the time. In the message today, Pastor Bill will discuss how Nehemiah answered God's call and stepped out in faith. You'll see how his faith was strengthened and God provided. Don't allow fear of the unknown to keep you from living in God's plan for you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Nehemiah chapter 11 as he begins his message, Separation and Dedication. Again, we're going to cover Nehemiah 11 and 12. So we'll be, we're going to look at Israel. Uh, we're going to look at there's some separation that needed to happen that takes place. And there's a, there's a combo of separation and then there's going to be the dedication of of the wall to the Lord. The people were dedicated first last week, and we'll talk about the importance of that, that, you know, the people were dedicated before the thing was dedicated, because that's where God's heart is really at with the people. And so, and I want to say it like this, when I think of separation and dedication, uh, we've been made in the image of God. And when you think about marriage, uh, for those of you that are married, those of you that hope to be married, that's exactly what we want. We want, we want from the person in relationship with us, separation and dedication. And if you're married, say amen, because I know that's what you want. So uh, you want the person that's with you to be separated from everybody else and dedicated to you alone. That's what God wants in those that belong to him, that we be separated from the world, that we come out from among them and we be separated from, from everything else to him and then be dedicated to the Lord. You'll notice there's a lot of, there can be a lot of names in this chapter. I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to skip uh, some large chunks of names that I will free you up to read on your own at a later time. So with that, everybody look at Nehemiah 11, verse 1. It says, Now the leaders of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine-tenths were to dwell in other cities. So this is what's going on. Uh, the walls are rebuilt, remember, and there's only a small group of Israelites that have gone back home because everybody else got comfortable where they were. And it wasn't very enticing to go home, even though the walls are built. It's not the city's not happening yet. It's not banging yet. It's not wonderful yet. And so many of the, the Israelites, the Jews were like, eh, we're, we'll stay where we are. We like it better where we are. And so but now with the walls built, there's a city we need. God's like, man, I got to fill this place up. I want my people in this place. They're getting ready to erect worship again of Jehovah the right way. And so God wants people to be there. So it happens like this. First of all, it says the leaders of the people dwelt in Jerusalem. And I want you to know that that was the right thing. The leaders are leading by examples. The leaders, what leaders do, they do what God wants them to do because it's what God wants 
and they lead other people the right way. So the leaders of the people, they said, well, 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 they're going to stay here. They're, they're there. They stayed in Jerusalem. They had a job to do to continue to lead people and direct them. And so they did the right thing. Maybe you're blessed to be in a position of leadership in some way. Be mindful that you do the right thing because there are people that are following your example. They're going to do what you do. And so the leaders stayed in Jerusalem. Then it says, and I thought this was kind of sad. The rest of the people cast lots to bring out one out of 10. So God created sort of a lottery system and said, look, one out of 10 of you guys has to go. And so it was almost like for, you know, I wasn't around for Vietnam, but I've heard that those who were around were, you know, they had they were drafted. So people weren't signing up or volunteering. Not many. Uh, maybe some were, but there were others that were just drafted. You're going to you're going to go. You, you got to go. And so imagine that God is he's having to draft people to come back home. One out of 10 has got to come. And so there was a lottery and, and, and they would you know cast lots and then it would fall upon this guy and he would go. And I just want you to consider that even though he was going, he was going in a sense forcibly. You know, he he went because he, I, the lottery said I had to go and I went. There wasn't really any honor with that, but God said, I'll take it. I'll take, I, I got to get X amount of people there. And so he went, some went through that system um, as they were taken over. And lastly, and I think this is one that's important, look at verse two. It says, and the other people blessed the men who willingly offered themselves to dwell in Jerusalem. Notice that there was a blessing. The people, we blessed this group right here. Why? Because they said of their own volition, we will go. We know God wants people there. We're willing to go. We know it's uncomfortable. We know we're going to give up some of our comforts. We have land over here. We have possessions. over. We're going to let go of some things to go do God's thing. And I just would challenge you guys that are listening to this. Are, are you the kind of person that's willing to give up comforts for God's stuff, kingdom stuff? God, this is cushion comfort, comfortable over here, but I know you're calling me over there and I'll let that go to do this thing right here because that's that's what God's looking for. God's looking for people that will say, I, I, I take kingdom over comfort. And I would just say this, be careful of doing what is most comfortable when we serve a God who often calls us to do difficult things but they're impactful things. God, God oftentimes calls his people to do things that are difficult, yet they're impactful. Think about just read, just read through your Bible. Think about all the people that God, he called them to do very uncomfortable things. He told Abraham, who was wealthy and had animals and land and stuff. He said, hey, get up, leave your family, go to a place that I will show you. Don't nobody, we don't, nobody wants directions like that. I want to know where I'm going, when I'm going to get there, what, what's, what's my benefits package going to be when I arrive. God said, get up and go to a place I will show you. But did God not bless Abraham? Did Abraham not go on an amazing adventure in God, but it was uncomfortable? Paul the apostle did, God did amazing things through his life, but it was very uncomfortable. He was hated by people. He, he has a whole list of things that he went through. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was hungry. You know, he was imprisoned. You know, he was stoned and all these things. But God led many, many people to the Lord. He wrote many books of the New Testament through that man. It was uncomfortable, but it was impactful. You be careful of being comfortable and not impactful when God is, again, often calling us to do things that are uncomfortable, yet they're impactful. And as I was considering that earlier, I was thinking of, 
you know, obviously, you know, we've made moves over the course of time. And when when finally the, the time came for me to get ready to plant this church, which I had been praying for God to do for many, many years, um, I was comfortable. I was on staff at a large church. I had benefits. My kids go to Christian school for free. I was paid well. And every week I knew a check was coming. It was like life was good. And God said, now leave all of that and go see what I'll do. Go plant a church in Inglewood. But there's 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 I got a few homeboys that are meeting for a Bible study at my buddy's grandma's house. And God's like, yep, take that group and, and let's make it. Let's get it cracking. Let's start a church. And, you know, what do you do for work when you worked at a church for 12 years? I've been on staff at a church for 12 years. I went to get a job at Terminex spraying cockroaches. I was like, I'll do anything. I need a job. And I remember I got through the first interview. I got through the second thing. I got through the, the, the live scan and all that stuff. And I, I went to the last interview and I'm thinking, surely I can get a job spraying roaches. And the guy said, man, you know, what was what exactly did you do? What was a youth pastor? What does that do? I mean, are you, you're preaching messages and sitting at a desk and doing count. He says, I, I just can't see you crawling in our house. I, I'm, I don't think it'll work out. And he just he just decided based on what my resume said, nah, you probably not going to work. I couldn't even get that job. That was that was that season, that era. But here's what I'm telling you guys. I left something comfortable, but I'm so I'm so glad I'm so I've been so blessed to have gone on this journey and to be on a journey with God. I've watched God do miracles. I've watched God open impossible doors. I've watched God save souls and make disciples and grow people. I've grown. I've changed. And so be careful of doing what's comfortable. Again, when God often is calling us to do things that are difficult but impactful. Again, there is there is many of the Jews that would say, nah, if I don't get the lottery doesn't make me go. I don't get if I don't get I don't have to go. I'm not going to go. But the blessing, the blessing went to the group that said, I don't have to go. I wasn't drafted in the one out of 10 lottery to go. I'm not one of the leaders to go, but I have a heart to go. I'm willing to go. And again, I would encourage you that that's the kind of service that the Lord wants from us. God wants willing service from his people. He doesn't want us serving him out of constraint, um, serving him because we have to. God is blessed and honored when we serve him out of a heart that says, Man, it's a privilege to do this. You know, I get to do this. For you guys who did the Bible reading today in the psalm, it said, serve the Lord with gladness, Psalm 103. Not with madness, not with sadness, with gladness, right? Some people serve God and they make it sound like, you know, burden. You know, I got, yeah, I got to go on down to that church. It's my day to serve, you know. So, you know then you make it sound like a terrible thing to, to get to. And uh, my attitude is this. I tell anybody that serves in the church here, it's never something you got to do. It's something you get to do. I get to serve God. You mean I get to be the one to go down to the building and do that for God's people? Praise God. I'm on the team. I get to do that. Careful what our attitudes are towards serving the Lord. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, my mom would give me chores. I had that was that was how I got money to go do stuff as a kid. My mom would have a list of chores. She'd write everything she wanted done out. I would go doing my chores, checking them off one by one. I would submit my paper back to her when it was done. She would inspect. And if I had done well, I get paid and I can go have some fun. Well, there were times when as a kid and you guys may understand this, my mom would say, I want you to go out there and wash my car. And I didn't care about her car. I didn't care about the cleanliness of her car. 
I just, she said I had to wash her car as one of my things. And, I, and I'll tell you, there are days where I went out and I wet it. And I made sure that you could see that the ground was wet around her car. I, wet, I didn't wash the car. I didn't make soap. I just, I did enough mess to make sure she could look out and be like, yeah, I see water on the ground. I see towels. They got, yeah, he must have washed. And I washed the windows and that was it. Mom, I did it. I did a wash of car. Look, look, and my mom would look out the window and take a peek. And, you know, she wouldn't realize that it was still filthy in the back or filthy on the other side till later on. But that's how I did it then, because I didn't want to do it. I had to do it. She was making me do it. And, and I couldn't go play until I did it. Then I, I got my first car as a teenager, VW Bug. And I threw my rims on my bug and I got my bug painted. And I mean, every weekend, you know, before, you know, you guys remember people go on Crenshaw. Uh, we go on the Shaw on Sunday night. Nobody, my mom never looked out and said, Billy, your car's dirty. Wash your car. I, 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 my car was always clean. I would clean my rims and wash the car, make sure it was shiny. I'd do it two, three times a week if need be. And because I wanted to, I wanted it to be clean. And as you look at the difference between got to and get to, I was, I was glad I had a car that I got to wash. Make sure your service to the Lord doesn't look like a got to, but it looks like a get to, that it's a privilege to serve the Lord. And I hope you see it that way. Now, from verse three on down, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to give us a list of all the people that have been previously enrolled. So in, in verses three all the way to 36, there's a few different groups. Verses three to 24 the family, there's all the families that are living in Jerusalem that are named here. So there were families that were in Jerusalem and God named them. And I just want to say this. Why does he name them? Why does God go through the trouble of naming all these people? Because they're where God wanted them to be. He said, these people are where I wanted them to be. They're in the city. Interestingly, God also named people that didn't do what he wanted. And you know, sometimes people have a hard time with, you know, someone that would name a name or point out a person and say, you shouldn't point them out publicly. And throughout Scripture, I look and I'm like, God did. God, y'all know there's people in Scripture whose names are there for all eternity for doing stuff that they, they're probably ashamed of today if they're in heaven or, you know, that there's, they'd be ashamed of. God's like, that's going to be there forever. Right. Judas, Judas' situation is there forever. Peter's a believer. And everybody know cock-a-doodle-doo. We know we, that's in the book forever. Even though he had some great wins, his errors, they're there forever. God writes these things down. So he notes those that are in Jerusalem. And again, verses 3 to 24, I'm not going to read all those names. Those are families that said, we're going to be in Jerusalem. And God lists them all here by name. And then in verses 25 to 36, these are the rest of the Jews that they didn't live in Jerusalem. They lived in villages. Uh, they lived in the neighboring villages around. So these are the people that didn't live in, but they stayed in the they stayed on the outskirts in the villages around. And then in verses 31 to 35, we see a few of the tribes. Benjamin is in the villages in 31 to 35. Some of the Levites and some of the Levites are in verse 36. And so we move now to chapter 12. Again, I'm not going to read through all those names. It's just God letting us know who was where. They were in Jerusalem. They were outside. These tribes were in. These people were out. Now, chapter 12 really continues this, but we look at the priests and the Levites and the leaders. And so the first part of chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now these are the priests and the Levites who came up with Zerubbabel. And from that point on, we got a list of names. So 
from 1 through 11, we have the priests and the Levites and those that served in those capacities. Then in, starting in verse 12, from 12 to 21, we have a list there of, the, of the, the, some of the priests and the heads of the fathers that were there. Then verses 22 to 26, there's a, it says, during the reign of Darius the Persian, a record was kept of the Levites and priests who had been heads of their father's houses in the days of Eliashib, Joida, Joanna, and Judah. And so there's now a list of those that had previously, those that were there before. And there was a hundred years. There were those that had come in to Jerusalem earlier with, during the time of Zerubbabel. They had paved the way for the people that came now during the day of Nehemiah. And so they're all listed here. And that the list of those names really ends at verse 26. We're picking up at verse 27. And again, if those names interest you, I bless you to go home later and just take your time. Pick them, pick them apart, you know, read through them. But in verse 27, we start to look at the preparation. They're preparing to dedicate the wall. And I really thought it was interesting that they hadn't yet dedicated. The wall has been up since chapter six. But if you guys remember, as soon as the walls were done, it seems like all God's attention went on dealing with the people. Right. And we know now as a New Testament church, we have buildings and places, but God's not as concerned with the buildings and places as he is with the people. You could have a beautiful building and some funky people, spiritually speaking. And so God is concerned with what's going on with the people. How are you doing with the Lord? Never mind how beautiful your church is and how elaborate this is and how wonderful. How are you doing with the Lord? Is there a genuineness to your worship of Jesus? Do you really love the Lord? Do you worship God before you get to that building? Monday through Friday, how is your walk with the Lord? God cares about the people. And so there was a lot of attention on the people. And we finally got the people to a place as they got into the word. Then there was repentance and there was revival and God was restoring things. And, and, and God has right now the people been dedicated last week. They made a new commitment to the Lord and renewed the commitment and they made a fresh covenant with the Lord. And so now God says, now let's dedicate the wall. Now, now we'll do the thing. But the people were first. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever put a place before the people. Don't ever make the thing more important than the people. God's always more concerned with the people. The building will burn one day, right? The building can't be saved. The seats can't be, you know, they can't be redeemed, but the people can. Always keep the people before the stuff because the people are where God's heart is really at. And that's where our heart needs to always be. The stuff is useful, but the people are what it's all about. And so they were dedicated. Now we're going to dedicate the place. Look at verse 27 of chapter 12. It says, now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and singing, with cymbals and string instruments and with harps. Let me stop right here. Something that I was really catching and, and going through this and going over it. How that, and, and, and it's not just here in Nehemiah, you see it throughout scripture, how important music is to the Lord. 
Um, the music isn't just like some filler thing. Some people treat worship service at a church or the time of praise and worship. Some people treat it like, you know, that's like the filler before the message. I can take it or leave it. Some people intentionally miss worship. They're like, what time does church get started? It starts at 10. Well, they, they, they sing for how long they sing for? 30 minutes, about 30 minutes. I'll be there at 1030. I'm there for the message. I want the word. Let me challenge that attitude. I want you to think about everywhere you see worship that God prescribed. And I want you to consider in all those places that there's some instruments and there's some songs and there's some singing and it's, it's to the Lord and it's for the Lord. Here's an, something I think that we should consider because as we look at all this prepared here, these singers and these, we see a choir and instruments and singers that are, they, it's not for the people. It's for the Lord. And I think in American Christianity, we got it spun where people look at the worship service, they think it's for them. I didn't really like that. <laughs> it wasn't for you, sir, ma'am. Um, the songs that, that are being sung, the music, is, it's not for you. It's for him. They're playing for him if they're doing it right. They're singing to him if they're doing it right. So if you've ever thought that way, you know, went to a church and said, well, I didn't really like the music. There wasn't really much. I didn't really like that song. Well, they say, well, it's not for you, buddy. <laughs> so, you know, if you get that through your mind, then... I could go worship with any group anywhere. I can go to a funky, you know, funk style flavor. I can worship with that if it's to the Lord and for the Lord. I can go somewhere twangy and if it's to the Lord and for the Lord, I'm going to worship with them. I've been in other countries where I couldn't even say, I didn't even know the words, but I knew the tune. We were singing songs that we know in English. They were singing it in Russia or singing it in Japanese. And it's like, I know that song, though. And I, I can worship with that brother. I can worship with that. I can't even understand what they're saying, but I know what I know who it's going to. And I'll, I'll worship with them. I'll gladly join in. And so I just challenge you to consider that worship and song and praise, it, it matters to God. Why would God prescribe this? Why would God have people that their job, your job is a singer for me. Your job is to be an instrument player for me. And it's going to be a big thing, a big part of everything that God does. Uh, there's music in heaven, right? Everything that God has, as you go through and look at the temples and look at the, the celebrations, look at the ceremonies, it's music there. This is, it's unique about the God of heaven. It's, it's unique. Most of your false gods, fake gods, music is like whatever. I, I don't know, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily a thing, but with the God of heaven, music is a thing. He likes good music. And so I think that people of God, people with God, we, we, should, we should get comfortable in a place of praise. Praise should be natural. It should, be a, it should just flow, free flow from us. If there's a room full of people and there's worship going on, please don't be the person observing. Why would you, why would you be observing worship? We're, we're all called to be worshipers. So we want to participate. So uh, you don't have to have a good voice. You know, the Bible says to, to you know, Lift up a shout to the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. It don't even have to be melodic. You don't have to have good, good you know, sounding. You just make a joyful noise to the Lord, you know. Um, God will receive that. And then the God has the skilled singers the, the, to leave from the front, though. So, you know, we'll look at some of them today. So we're not giving you joyful noise, folk, a microphone. You make a joyful noise from out there. Uh, but, but the skilled singers and instrument players, we'll give them a microphone and some amplification. They can lead us the way. So now let's move on. <laughs> Sorry. Verse 17, the second part, once again, it says um, they brought them to celebrate the dedication, and look at the attitude God wants. I want there to be gladness. There's a, this, is a, this is a joyful occasion, both with thanksgivings, 
and singing with cymbals and string instruments and harps. Verse 28 says, and the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netopathites, from the house of Gilgal and from the fields of Geba and Asmaveth. For the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. And so note that these individuals, the singers, they had spots all around. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of Nehemiah is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org and click on media, or you can download our mobile app to listen to more teachings. You'll find a link on our website. You can also search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. We'd love for you to join us for church this weekend too. Look on our website for the latest times and location for services. We are a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as a family of God. Again, our website is CalvaryEnglewood.org. As we look into the book of Nehemiah, keep in mind how this applies to you in your life right now. Nehemiah was an example of one man who had a huge impact on the nation of Israel. You may feel insignificant at the moment, but know that God can use you for His purposes in ways that you might not foresee. His way of leading and empowering others is something you can strive for in your spheres of influence. Never discount the things that God wants to teach you through His Word. If you have felt the blessing of this ministry in your life, we'd love for you to partner with us in praying for those who would hear a transforming word. Many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. What an opportunity we have to share the good news of Jesus and His salvation. That's all the time we have for today. But thanks for tuning in to A Transforming Word.